I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everyone, to the Midweek FTSE Show. Uh, this is a show where we take your questions and have a little think about them and tell you what we kind of come up with on these sorts of uh, issues that you've got in mind. Uh, so Paul's not here anymore uh, at the moment, so it's still just me and Steve, but we've got a couple of questions that we're keen to have a look at, and we've done a little bit of thinking about them, and we'd like to share that with you. So uh, this week's question comes from Life of Kieran, who asks, what are your guys' 1, 5, 10-year goals in terms of stocks and financial freedom? Uh, would you guys ever look into buy-to-lets as well? Um, so a couple of questions there, Steve, one about kind of time and goals, and another about buy-to-lets. Uh, what do you think about these? Um, so I'll start with something I'm not particularly interested in, and it comes from a sort of a, uh, an experience really within the family. Is I'm not really interested in buy to lets. Um, mm-hmm. I I personally don't see the benefits of a buy to let over something like a REIT. Um, I think REITs are just buy to lets without the hassle. Um, my brother has a couple of um, buy to lets, and. Uh, they're permanently having to repair stuff. Stuff's broken. Stuff needs repainting, and uh, and because the margins on it, um, especially in the areas where I live, are quite low, um, there's not an awful lot of money left at the end of the time to get somebody in to do it. So he often ends up doing it. So for me, that's like saying I would like two jobs, please, um, for no money on the second one. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I mean, he he's very sort of DIY uh, DIY friendly. He loves all that kind of stuff. He loves. Uh, getting his hands dirty, whereas I I do it out of of pure necessity. Part of my job involves going around and seeing things that people have done badly. Um, I wouldn't like to do things badly to uh, houses that I own. So they're not interesting to me. In terms of my outlook, my outlook is uh, as long as it needs to be, essentially. Uh, I have a sort of number in mind, and when I get to that number, I probably won't be... uh, um, too invested in uh, an, an awful lot of stocks. I, I want to get my mortgage cleared. I'm hoping to do that within 10 years. Um, I'm hoping to get to uh, well as big a number as possible in the in the ISA. It's difficult to put a number to it because um, at the moment it keeps going down. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> it'll be more than it is today. Um, but yeah, really, that that's it for me. It's about building out my pension on the side. It's about building out my ISA as much as I can. Um, and yeah, from, from there on, there's, there's, there's not really, it's not something where I've set myself a time limit because I think that's sort of undue pressure. So, um, I don't know about you, Steve, are you, are you thinking you're, you're not particularly, I would imagine you're not particularly into, um, buy to let either, are you? It's not something you'd be interested in. No. Um, so I feel exactly the way you do about it. I'm kind of okay with the idea of buy to lets as another kind of source of income, but I think it's important to try and view it as a job basically, which is what it is. And if you think that you could efficiently do a second job in the form of running a kind of buy-to-let bunch of investments, absolutely do it. Uh, There are definitely people who I think that can work for, but I'm not one of them. I don't have any particularly good practical skills in this kind of area, um, and I don't actually have the time to do it. I kind of do more than one thing to make money, and 
um, buying, uh, running a buy-to-let kind of business isn't that attractive to me at the moment. Um, so I sort of feel the same way. I do have stuff tied up in REITs, and REITs strike me as basically saying, okay, we'll pay a sort of 10% fee for someone else to take on all the work in it, basically. Um, and I, I'm much happier that way around. So if you think about kind of passive income as properly passive, rather than stuff that you do by having another job, effectively, which is what buy-to-let is, um, I think I prefer the kind of passivity of a REIT in this situation. On the kind of one, five, ten year stuff, um, one year is too short for me to think I want to be at a certain number over that period of time. But I do have kind of goals that I'm hoping for this year. It's a, it's a tricky year for me to start setting financial goals for because I've got a little and on the way. And I, I'll be honest, I haven't really done much in terms of trying to price that as an activity and work out what that might cost. Uh, we've got ideas that we're going to try and do a lot of it by acquiring stuff from friends because you can get perfectly good stuff like that uh, without us needing to pay out. But we don't know exactly what we can and can't get. And that means that I can be sort of less precise in um, uh, where I want to be. Plus, of course, there's a good amount that's dictated by markets uh, in terms of how much money I'll have at the end of that. But my ambition remains to try and get as much as I can into... Um, uh various kind of rappers like my lifetime isa um and my other isa as well i don't think i'm in any danger of having to come up with ideas that will go beyond either my isa or my lifetime isa uh, for what it's worth so i think it's a reasonably straightforward game for me from here it's to keep piling stuff up as much as i can generate as much income as i can and save as much as i can for a year and for 10 years it's unlikely to be that much different in terms of looking for financial freedom um it's gonna i'm not gonna be at my financial freedom number by 10 years or anywhere meaningfully near it um so it's just gonna be a question of making sure to try and keep the the early years of the compounding going basically because if you stop your kind of compounding process then you just end up losing the kind of late years which is where the big numbers is rather than cutting off the early ones uh, so i guess i don't have anything that i've specifically got in mind here or numbers that i want to try and aim at but i do want to try and make sure i'm doing everything that i can and making sure that i sort of stay focused on that process mm. so i mean generally my my aims are i think the same as you one year it's very difficult to have any kind of aims i suppose you you have a you have an immediate aim um in in the in, the, in your first year uh, but for me um my aim is always just to fill my isa and to put some money away mm -hmm. in my pension i have a set amount i put away in my pension every year um i put away seven and a half thousand pound a year and in, into my self-invested um pension plan and um that that there is what i've sort of worked out that if i do that for a long enough period of time that will give me a decent pension i also aim to put the twenty thousand pound away in the isa which i've planned out and i should be able to do um at some point um next year so that that's 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 all sorted for me and um, in 10 years time um the goal for both me and my wife is to um, to pay the mortgage, and if we have managed to do that, we will be reducing our hours. Uh, we're not going to use it as a vehicle to sort of like supercharge the growth of our wealth because um, there's only so much you can do. I think it's the biggest <laughs> thing you can take off. The biggest thing you can take off, but the thing is that you don't want it to all be in vain. I, I don't want to get to sort of. 55 60 and think god i've paid off everything but i've done nothing so mm. the idea with that is that we would drop down to either four or three days a week and um and we would we would just do things and that's mm. what we're going to do so it's going to be um 
So when you're young, I think you probably think the same as me. When you're young, you dream of getting there incredibly quickly, and uh, it's moments like really when the market's gone down, like down like this these last few months that you start to think, actually, this is going to take a bit longer, uh, a bit longer than I think. And it's sort of moments like this where you've you, you've got to sort of redouble redouble your sort of commitment to it, but also sort of think you've got to be a bit more realistic um, about what your what your what what more realistic outcomes are. So so for us, I think getting the mortgage paid off, we've got about a hundred and forty thousand ish on the mortgage. Obviously, we will pay that off at seven hundred pound uh, a month. Thank you, and um, and then we will probably pay lump sums on top of that as well. Um, we try to overpay it by about 150 to 200 pounds a month anyway. Um, we also have um, dividends from um, external sources that we can use to mm-hmm. pay off chunks of it as well. Um, so yeah, our goal is just to get through it really quickly and to and then to just you know sail off into the sunset. Yeah, I mean that seems like a pretty sensible um, set of plans to me. So one of the things I've noticed just lately, or I think I've noticed on YouTube, maybe I'm seeing things and I'm seeing kind of what I expect to see, but. I definitely feel like I've been seeing less of people enthusiastically really pursuing that financial independence, retire early thing with as much enthusiasm as they were before, because I sort of feel like I've seen a few more posts just saying it's okay to spend some money. It's okay to enjoy yourself. You don't have to kind of save as hard as you possibly can for, you know, the kind of uh, rainy day that is a long, long way in the future and so on. And I wonder kind of what's brought that on. I'd like it to be the case that Tom Morgan has convinced them all that they should just change their jobs and work longer. Mm. Um, But I don't somehow believe that, much as I'm a big fan of his. Um, What I do think is probably there's something a little bit soul-destroying about a market, especially if you've not been investing that long and you thought earlier on, look, I dropped it in here and it went up 20%. I mean, this is all right. I I won't get sick of seeing 20% returns. Then you stop seeing 20% returns and then you start seeing actually... The thing I had a 20% return on, I didn't take it, and it's now gone down. It's now down uh, 10% or something like that. I can see how that might feel like, I mean, that's really when you want to try and step it up if you can. But it's got to be tougher, I think, to try and stay on your kind of financial independence goals when it's going the wrong way. I think what we're seeing is people becoming unmotivated by the market aren't they so um, mm-hmm. i think feraldi has a really really good little chart a little image of this where he it's basically what progress looks like and everybody thinks it's this you know up and to the right straight line and what it really is is mm-hmm. a wavy line that goes up and down and up and down and up and down and and that's what we're experiencing um at the moment but the 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 enthusiasm uh for the market seems to have waned and it's strange really when you think about it because the this is the time especially when the sort of stocks that young enthusiastic investors would be looking to invest in they're all going at a much much cheaper valuation i mean let's not say they're cheap we can't say they're cheap but they're <laughs> at a much cheaper valuation than they were a lot hmm. of them are pre pre-covid levels uh which is you know before we had this massive massive um flush of of money so it's twofold for me because I I think now has got to be the time to buy. Now has got to be the time to commit some money and and buy some stocks and just sit there and wait for your ten minute uh, ten year horizon to be over, and and reap the rewards. But you also think, well, if we are having a massive withdrawal of liquidity and rates, realistically, QE started in two thousand and eight, and some of these stocks have a long long way to come back to. Uh, so most of them mm. weren't even around in two thousand and eight, obviously as well. But um. It's a really interesting, indecisive period to be in the market. And, and that's what makes it exciting to me because 
you're seeing points now. I mean, I'm seeing prices where I, I'm very confident that in ten years' time the companies will be worth more than that. But um, what a what a tricky time to to be an investor. It's always a tricky time to be an investor, but this one feels especially tricky. It does, and I think there's elements of that where it's just human nature, and there's not much point in fighting it. Right? It's always going to feel better to stick money into a stock that's going up uh, than a stock that's been going down and continues to go down and so mm. on. Um, and it might be that there's sort of nothing we can do about that as humans. It's just the way we're wired in a certain fashion. But um, I feel like a lot of what I'm hearing from people that I've been speaking to on the Discord in particular is them treating this in the right way, mm -hmm. sort of seeing it as a buying opportunity. And certainly you and I and Paul as well, in fairness, have never thought or never advocated well, we don't really advocate for things, but we've never for ourselves felt that actually I think this is getting a, to be a top-heavy market. I'm I'm going to hold some cash back and wait on hmm. this a little bit. We've never really – we've always found ways to get money into the market one way or another, whether that's by thinking about dollar-cost averaging or convincing ourselves to look for value at value where we can find it or whatever the relevant idea is. I mean, okay, we kind of knew corrections are coming, but we've always taken a view of we'll ride it out when it comes rather than sit and wait for it. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's an element of, um, I think Captain Hindsight always kind of plays an interesting part here where if you look back, you could probably think, oh yeah, this was getting a kind of, the economy was getting a little bit hairier. Um, but there seems to have been no real trigger for this. And and one of the things I'm interested in at the moment is is how the media are really playing all of the bad things that are happening. You notice the, the, the stock market's down. The bad news is out in droves. And every day it's, it's Russia stepping on Ukraine territory or, or Ukraine shelling Russia or, or China looking to join Russia in some kind of war. And soon it'll be China and Taiwan. And soon it'll be Belarus and, and Russia and, and interest rates rising and things like that. And there's so much fear there to shake people out of the market. You, you can see just in this little brief drawdown, how people get frightened of uh, frightened out of the market, people who, who who spend too much time looking at the news. So I think, um, as I said before, I, I think this is a really interesting period to be uh, in the market. One of the pitfalls of being, having access to all of this information that we have as investors now is that we have access to all of the information now. Um, so I, I think the Discord's in the right kind of mantra. I think people are still out looking for for um for looking looking out for things to buy and i think that's mm -hmm. that's exactly how you should be in this market i think we've we've said that time in the market is incredibly difficult we would always advocate for buying at prices you like not the not looking for the bottom and yep. um i think that's that's kind of the mantra that we all need to have i just can't wait for april now i've got i've got cash to burn i've told myself i'm not going to lump it in i actually have a pot on monzo that's called don't lump it in um so but I'm, i am i'm looking forward to april there's loads of things i'm i, I would i would want to buy and there's loads of new things i'd want to buy as well if i fancy making that portfolio a little bit bigger yeah, there's a couple of videos to be made there, isn't there? One about crashes and how to handle those and one about uh, our plans for the new financial year. Mm. Um, interesting. I remember last time when we said happy new financial year to each other. feels like the podcast has been going a while now to me. Yeah. Uh, this is where I really noticed that we've been through the year, Mark. I know we've been through it before, but this is where it really feels like that to me. Full anyway, circle. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll leave things there, but thank you very much uh, for the questions. Uh, uh, and thank you to the rest of you that have uh, sent along your questions. We'll get to those in the next few weeks. Keep them coming. We're always interested in hearing them. We're always interested in your reviews and your thoughts and your comments and so on. Please stick those down below. Uh, unless it's that you really want Paul back. If so, you can keep them to yourself, to be honest. He'll be here whether or not you ask for him. Don't worry. 
But thanks for now, and we'll see you in the next video.